And so even people that have been through really challenging situations um, and had bad things happen to us, I believe that it's not the event that happens, but the meaning that we attach to it. My addiction, the, the meaning I attach to that today is that I can help others um, because of my past. But anybody that was maybe abused, they can do the same thing. Now, I'm not downplaying the pain that maybe they have gone through, but acceptance is the answer to a lot of our problems. At some point, we have to accept what's happened so we can move forward. And for me, it's, it's so much about how can I use my pain for my purpose today? It's, it's the easiest service is like the greatest life hack ever. And that's what recovery has taught me. What it taught me early is that the core of my disease was selfishness and self-centeredness. The antidote to selfishness and self-centeredness is service. Before we get started, I wanted to give a shout out to our sponsor, Proper Creative. They help me with our brand content and, of course, making our swag. They're the ones that ship it out to us. That's Proper Creative, and they work with any type of business, whether you're a big corporation or a small business or even running it out of your house. They will work with you, and they will help you and relieve a ton of liability and work from your shoulders. That's Proper Creative. You can follow them on Instagram, P-R-O-P-R, or you can go to their website at P-R-O-P-R. P-R-O-P-R-L-L-C.com. Let Proper Creative help you build your brand and sell direct to consumer, regardless of the size of your business. Proper Creative is definitely a good choice. Welcome to another week of Level Up with Matt Rogers. I'm your host, Matt Rogers. Right in here, the studio with me is the man that makes everything look and sound good, Eli Adelman. How are you? Man, I am doing good. You're always doing good. If you were not doing good, would you say, like, you know what, man, I'm really struggling, and uh, I hope our guest today can help us out. (laughs) I'm, like, leaning completely on our next guest to fix my life. No. Seriously, he actually can. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This is a good one. This is a good one. They're all good ones, but. Right? Yeah. I like bringing in, like, professionals in their field like people who are the best at what they do and this guy is the best at what he does his name is donnie starkins i started following him roughly like a year ago on instagram social media just because i liked the stuff that he was quoting and posting and then you know i do a lot of stuff like the nfl and and charities and and helping you know organizations raise money well, one player is the tight end for the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. His name's Darren Waller, who has an unbelievable story of overcoming addiction and yep. just watching him, you know, go from his worst to literally his best and is like his best is yet to come. He right. just keeps getting better and better. Um, and to watch Donnie has been uh, a, a very big key factor in not only helping Darren get better mentally, but what he's been able to do mentally is carried over into the physical and into a better performance. So Donnie Starkins has been in Forbes, Sports Illustrated, ESPN. He's partnered with all these people. He, he is the best at personal development and transformation for the mind, body, and soul. And for me, five, ten years ago, I was probably kind of like a yoga skeptic. Like, oh, that's kind of weird and hokey and whatever. But now, like, I've seen how good it is right. for people. And, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to start stretching, bro. You know, yeah. and, like, stretching works. But Donnie takes it to a whole new level because there is a professional aspect behind it. Because nowadays, it's like, dude, everybody does yoga. Right. But not everybody 
is an expert and a professional in it. And Donnie is, and I'm glad that he is here with us. Donnie, thanks for coming on Level Up. Glad to be here, my man. You are, you're one heck of a hype man. That, that, uh, <laughs> that was a great intro. I appreciate it. It was true though, right? It's, it's yeah, it's true. It's true. It's, I'm super passionate about the work. And uh, um, again, it's, a, it's an honor to be here. We can chop it up and, and talk about all the work that I do. And um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun work too. It's, it's fun and it's fulfilling and uh, it feels really meaningful. And it's just nice to be in my purpose today. I do, I do want to talk about this because I, I feel like I could really learn something because I will tell you this, and I'm not afraid to talk about anything on the show. I know that there are benefits of yoga and flexibility and feeling better and getting your mind and your center in there. For me, growing up also as a, you know, a follow, a disciple of Jesus in the Christian church, a lot of religions, Christian religions, which I'm not a religious Christian, I just love Jesus, but the Christian religion has frowned upon yoga because they think it's, you know, oh, well, you're taking, you know, Christ out of the equation, this and that, but that's not necessarily has to be the truth, right? Like, I know a lot of great followers of Jesus, like, they're like, no, dude, you need to do yoga, like, it's the real deal. Can you tell me like what it is and why that myth or that negative stereotypes around it? Well, yeah, I, I mean, I do believe it brings you closer to God or higher power or whatever you choose to call it, because it's all about unity. It's all about bringing together mind, body and spirit. So whatever your beliefs are um, from a faith standpoint, it's only going to get you closer to that. I think because yoga maybe came from some Eastern philosophies that they maybe tied other religions to it, mm -hmm. but I don't, I've never seen it like that. I believe that, you know, if we're, if the part of the practice is to go within um, and connect, connect inward, I mean, God is within us. So how are we not going to get closer to God, especially when we're able to, you know, get onto our yoga mats and eliminate all the stressors and all the noises and all the distractions and really connect to the breath, to get into our body and more than anything, just get out of our own way and get out of our own heads. Cause I think it's our own stories and our own thoughts that create that separation and disconnection. So to be able to reconnect and really go inward, it's just, I think we get caught up in this looking outward. We look for external things to find our happiness and our joy. I'll be happy when I get this or when I have this. And it's like, no, this practice teaches us that happiness is an inside job that we got to get right yeah. on the inside. It's like transformation from the inside out. So can you kind of walk me through, and I agree with everything you just said, because I do know that there are, you know, we have a big demographic of people that listen to us in a lot of different countries. So, um, but from where I believe, like you could put me in any situation next to any believer in, and what I believe what I'm carrying should, you know, be the majority. So if, if I'm on a yoga mat and, you know, and, and Donnie's leading it and he's helping me find my center, my within, you know, my Jesus, my God, it doesn't really matter what the world around me is thinking, right? Like that's me and what I'm thinking. Can you kind of walk me through, I don't even know if that's possible. Can you like what it entails and what you do for people? Because you really help some of the top just athletes in the world. You work with Darren Waller, one of the best tight ends in the NFL. Tyron Matthews coming off in the Super Bowl two years ago and one of the best defensive backs in the NFL that has a challenging past. And he's like a different person now. Like, what do you do? How do you help people? Can you like walk me through that? 
Yeah. Well, so, and just to go back, you talked in the beginning about yoga. Um, and I, I fought this for a really long time. So if I go back to my story and the depths of my bottom, my rock bottom, which kind of was going from a division one baseball player at Arizona state, having a massive surgery on my knee, which was my fifth surgery, Mm. lots of trauma around it. Baseball ends, sends me down this really long road of addiction. I got addicted to pain pills. I blamed it on the doctors who screwed me over, who messed up my knee, talked me into having this surgery that maybe I probably shouldn't have had. Um, But really when I, my life got so bad, Uh, and that I ended up in rehab. And when I got into rehab, I got really curious, like, where did my life go? Like, how did this all happen? I was this baseball player star and now I'm a drug addict. Where did it all go wrong? And what I, this was my first journey into personal development and I'll tie it all into yoga and meditation. But when you're finally faced with looking at your own stuff and, and sitting down with a therapist and understanding, like trying to connect the dots of how it all happened, for me, I didn't want to lo- I didn't want to feel the uh, lo- the the emotional pain of the loss of baseball, of my purpose, of the love of my life. So yeah, there was some major trauma and and um, I, I and a major injury. And yeah, the doctor gave me eighty Percocet a week for a month straight, and then cut me off cold turkey. But really, when I really get honest with it, it was about the loss of my identity. And so that message is so important today because when I work with other athletes, it's, it's the the work that I do, it translates on the field, but a lot of the stuff that we're doing is about self-love, self-esteem, self-sabotage, values and goals, discovering your purpose. And I tell the guys and the girls, the athletes that I work with that your purpose isn't to be a professional football player. That's part of the path. Mm-hmm. But you better know who you are beyond the sport because one day it's going to end for you. Right. And if you don't know who you are, for me, it almost killed me because I didn't know I didn't have another plan. I didn't have a plan B. My whole identity was wrapped in this. And so I, I tell my athletes, like, find your purpose beyond the sport. Find a find a, a, a service commitment. Start a foundation. Like figure out who you are because one day it's going to end, whether it's on a, um, a, a traumatic injury and it's just over like that, or they hang your jersey in a, for a beautiful retirement ceremony. It's going to end one day and you better know who you are. And so when the, a lot of the work that we do, so you've got yoga and you've got meditation, which I can touch on those, the personal development piece or this life coaching piece of it has to do with understanding who you are beyond the what everybody else sees you as and figuring out from a self-love standpoint because some of the top athletes in the world some of the top leaders in the world still struggle with this common story of not enough i'm not enough we've talked about darren's story and darren's talked about it publicly where his core wound was it's it's not being black enough and if you listen to his story where he didn't really fit in because he kind of grew up in a white neighborhood and um, played, he was in the band and did things differently. So his black friends would say that he wasn't black enough, but he's looking at his skin and going, I'm a black man. And they're telling me I'm not, I'm not black enough. So mm-hmm. that root, that not enough story was rooted in him. And that's the, that's kind of his core wound. So he's, he's free from that, but he's also a human being where some of that stuff naturally will still come up. So it's, it's starting to understand from a self-love standpoint, like we have to be enough. We have to be enough for ourselves because a lot of the people that get to the top 
are being driven by the not enough story. And, how and do, I was going to say, and how do you help people? Because, you know, like Darren's story, I'm not black enough. I know, you know I've seen a ton of people that will discriminate, you know, white people that will discriminate against white people. Like, well, you're trying not to be white. You know, you're trying to be black or you're trying to be Mexican. And how about, you know, the ladies that are like, I'm not pretty enough. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not smart enough. How do you help them? What? Because you do. You help them. I mean, your your goal, you you put it out there. You said, my purpose is to help others find theirs. How do you do that? Well, I think it, I believe that our purpose is within us. It's It's in there, but it's often covered up by limiting thoughts ne- or negative thoughts, old beliefs, fixed ideas, old stories, what other people have told us. Right. And so the work really is about chipping away and uncovering what's been there all along to discover your purpose. The word discover means to take the cover off. So you're taking the cover off what's been there all along. All, all along. And through the process of us just growing up in the four agreements, which I talk about a lot and coach around that amazing book, that um, this domestication process as we grow up, we just agree upon certain things. Somebody told us we weren't this enough. We weren't pretty enough. We weren't good enough. We weren't skinny enough, whatever it was. And we agreed. And so that became our belief system. So a lot of it is starting to look at what are the, what are the old stories? What, what was the domestication process and the things that we agreed that aren't true? And we start to release those. And as we release those, we can start to create our own agreements in a new belief system. But we also have to bring a lot of self-compassion, patience, and self-love into this process because these beliefs are hardwired into our brains. And we've been thinking that way for a really long time. And I always talk about how when, when the, the river cuts deep, and the deeper it cuts, the harder it is to get out of. Mm-hmm. So these are these are pathways. It's neuroplasticity in the brain, and the science says that that we can change those pathways. But it starts with a new belief system. It starts with things like having a gratitude practice, having affirmations, having looking in the mirror and and saying these positive things about ourselves. That's the only way we're going to change our thinking is by doing something different. Can you tell me, and I know, you know, cause you do work with, you know, the, the biggest names on the planet and some really high level clients that you can't disclose, you know, who they are, but can you maybe tell us a story of maybe like one of the worst uh, situations you've ever seen with someone with whether it's, you know, male or female, and they were just completely broken and what you did and how they came out on the other side? Yeah. You know, it's a very common you know, I'm trying to think if I can think of one case. Um, well, I can give you one. So, I mean, I being sober, a lot of, I wouldn't say a lot, I would say like 30% of my clientele are in recovery or looking to stop drinking or stop using. And um, I had a, I had a client of mine who was, who had, had overdosed. Mm-hmm. Um, now he had been using, um, prescription pills, kind of the same path that I went through. Um, Prescription pills led to other drugs, um, started to get into fentanyl, which is so scary. Like that wasn't around when I was in my addiction. And I'm grateful because I don't know if I'd be here if, if, if it was. What's fentanyl? Um, How is, how is that a step up from like Percocet? So it's, it's, there's, there's people making it now they're making fentanyl and they're cutting it with like lethal doses. So 
it it's cheaper on the streets than a Percocet, a regular Percocet would be, but they're be, they're man-made and they're, they're not like, obviously they're not regulated and they're being, they're being um, cut with like lethal doses of it. So somebody that might think they're taking one pill of a 20 milligram um, Percocet might be getting something that will actually kill them. Oof. And that's why you're seeing, that's why you're seeing even more and more overdoses. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, this is a very common, that path to addiction. So just life completely spiraling out of control, burnt every bridge, parents, parents gave up on them, but they did reach out to me and said like, um, they were familiar with my story. And so honestly, like there's no real magic pill to this. All I, all I start off. So, so I meet this gentleman and I just tell him my story. I tell them my experience, strength, and hope. And this is the magic of a lot of 12-step programs is like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you what to do because I don't think anybody likes to be told what to do anyways. Right. But I'm going to share my experience, what happened, what happened in my life, and then what my life is like now. So it's your experience, um, the strength that I've found, and then the hope, like what my life is like now and the life I've been given from this sobriety. And, and luckily for him, he, he, he was so beaten down by the addiction, multiple overdoses, actually, multiple rehab stints, that he was just willing to listen. I think life had beat him up so bad that he finally just said, I'll do whatever, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. Was he, was he, still, was he still addicted to it? Like, I mean, you, when you've had multiple overdoses and you're still using it, I mean, like, you have no fear of dying you might almost want to die right i mean i overdosed once and i still used i remember coming back i overdosed in mexico my parents my brother and my brother-in-law had to come pick me up in the middle of the night there's a place rocky point mexico which is like a kind of a party place spring break hangout back in the day well it still is but i'm way older for that now (laughs) but um but it's i i would go down there because you could get prescription pills you just cross the border and you could get whatever you wanted so I, I overdosed once my brother and brother-in-law have to come drive three and a half hours to in the middle of the night into Mexico to come pick me up Holy and drive goodness. me, drive me back home. And the next day I'm like, I don't have a problem like complete denial, but also completely hooked by the, by the pills. Like I, I was scared to not have anything. So it's a, it's a very cunning and baffling disease. And I do believe that it is a disease Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not even like sometimes everybody's bottom is different. Right. That wasn't my bottom yet. I wasn't ready to stop. What was your bottom? What happened? So it wasn't really circumstance that went on for a few years after that overdose, actually. Um, but, it, but my bottom was more of a, more of a spiritual bottom, or it was really about sick and tired of being sick and tired mm-hmm. where for about a couple of years, I would just wake up every single day. The very first thing I would do when I would wake up wasn't take a shower, grab breakfast. It was grab my pill bottle and take, take a couple pills. Um, I, I, w- I would wake up so riddled in like anxiety and fear every day. The moment I would wake up, my heart would start racing. So I would take, take my pills. And then like 20 minutes later, because my stomach's completely empty, these pills would kick in really quick. And then it would be like, kind of like what a deep breath does for me today. Right. I would feel this calm sense over me and I could go and face the day. It wasn't about getting high or getting messed up. It was about feeling normal. About coping, yeah. 
Yeah, but the, the problem is the vicious cycle. Well, two hours later, the pills start to wear off, the heart starts racing again, and then I'm and then I'm wanting more. And then, but the problem is like it's never, there's never enough. I could get, I could get whatever I wanted from doctors, but I would always run out. Like I would get a month prescription and it would be out in like six days. Jeez. So then you're left scrambling. What am I going to do for the next three weeks to, to, to just I just to deal with life on life's terms, that vicious cycle wore me out to where I finally, finally surrendered and, and asked for help and went to rehab. So, so you were just like, I can't do this anymore. Somebody help me. Yeah. Yeah. It, it had to get to that point. I mean, there's plenty of like dumb decisions and just bringing my family through a lot of pain and worry, but really there wasn't like an actual circumstance that finally, where I finally said I'm ready. It was just being really sick and tired of being sick and tired of caught in that cycle every single day. Like it completely having its grip on me. How long have you been sober? I've been sober um, eight and a half years. Well, eight years and like four months. So awesome. My wife has been sober for 17, 18 years, I think. Amazing. Does that sound right, Eli? I've been married to her for 16 years. She got sober a year before. So yeah, 17 years. Do you, and this is a real question. um, Do you crave it anymore? Does it sound like a good idea to you anymore? Do you ever get in pain where you're like, "Mm, I think that's a good option. I'm going to try it. Is that ever? No, no, not, not even close, but you know, I, it's important part. An important part of my story is I had three years sober and then I I had a relapse. I, I had three years sober little over three years, but around my three-year mark, I got complacent. I stopped going to meetings. I stopped being of service and working with my mentors and my sponsors. And I actually hurt my right knee. Uh, My left knee is the one I I had seven surgeries on, but I hurt my right knee um, playing in actually a sober softball league. Mm -hmm. And um, I ended up having to have a minor surgery, like minor arthroscopic uh, cartilage tear, no big deal. Like Definitely not the need for painkillers for that type of surgery, especially what I've been through. Right. But I, I started to stray away and I didn't like prepare for it. I didn't bring my sober men close to me like I would today if I had to have a surgery. And I ended up having the surgery. I woke up from the surgery and I loved the way that I felt. And six days later, I was back in the doctor's office lying about the pain. And then I was in my relapse. And that relapse lasted about eight months. Um, and then since then I've had another eight plus years sober. And I share that because that was the best thing that ever happened to me. Cause it reminded me that the work never stops. The work can never stop. And it's not just today, like work for sobriety, it's emotional sobriety. It's mm-hmm. just freedom, peace of mind. Like I, I am in this work every single day. Cause really I just want to be free. And I always say, it's not freedom for ourselves. It's freedom from ourselves. It's right. about staying in the work so I can just stay out of my own way and be free. So, the, and I asked you that with, with a motive behind it. And this is why I asked, cause like my wife today, when she got clean, she used some gnarly, gnarly stuff, like beyond pain kills uh, or pain pills. She would say that the drug that she used would actually call her by her name. That's how deep in it she was. And when she got clean, she didn't go to rehab and she, the first couple of weeks she got tempted and it would find like old baggies of stuff and this and that. But the reason I asked you that question is so in the, in the beginning, she 
you know, it sounded like a good idea. She craved it, but she didn't do it. Thank God. Now today, you know, she could walk into a scene out of Scarface and just see blow and everything everywhere. And she'd be like, no, thanks. Like not even remotely interested. So my question is, if you don't have the cravings, you're a different person now. Why does, and this has been a, this is what I don't like is that people would still call you an alcoholic or a recovering addict to where I would look at you and be like, no, dude, you're recovered. You're a different person. Like you're healthy. You're fine. Like I don't, I don't want people to call you or my wife a recovering addict. Like she's a new person. You're a new person. Do you not like that philosophy or that mindset? Or do you like, do you agree? Cause that's always challenged me. You know what I mean? Like I kind of feel like they still put the tag on you when you're like, no dude, like Donnie's good. You know what I mean? Like that was him before. This is him now. Different person. Like, what do you think? Yeah. You know, I don't really care either way. I, I feel what you're saying. Um, and I know some people have a hard time with that, but to me, it's just, uh, it's just a label that either works for you or it doesn't work for you. Right. I think for a lot of people, they can say that like the first couple of times I said that, like I Don, my name is Donnie, I'm an alcoholic and an addict. Like I still will at an AA meeting identify as an alcoholic, but the truth is alcohol really wasn't a huge, huge part of my story. It was definitely part of it, but it never right. had a grip on me. Like, like the pills did. But I still say it. And, and from my understanding, anytime you you say something out loud, it removes that power from you. So mm -hmm. early on, when I could admit that, it, it like it was like verbalizing it and putting it out there. So it didn't I didn't have like the shame around it anymore. I was able to speak it. And then so for some people, they will identify. So it's a way of actually helping other people. So if people know that that's kind of part of your identity and part of your story, you know, they're more likely to maybe reach out to you if they're struggling or if they know somebody else who's struggling. So for me, it's, it's you know, I, I'm public about my sobriety. I can call myself an addict. I don't really identify with it so much. Right. So, but I do, I do hear what you're saying. And I think um, it's personal preference, I guess, would be my, right. my answer to your question. No, because I could tell. I mean, like, I've seen you in person once. I've seen you, you know, Instagram every day, all the time. But, like, you're, you look at you like, dude, you have power. Like, you command a room. You're in a room. People want to be around you. You look at what you can give instead of what you can get from people. Like, you just, I could just, you know, I was around you for the short time in, in Vegas at that last event. I just like, that's a good guy. Like, that's a guy that, you know, he probably has struggles like the rest of us, but he's got to figure it out. Like, he's, he's doing well. You know what I mean? And, you know, you're in love, you're in a good relationship. Like, so I don't know, like that just always kind of weird me out. Like, I don't, I don't look at Donnie as a recovering addict. I look at him as a freaking champion and a, a coach and he's helping people. Tell me about yoga. How did you find it? Why is it important? And then I'll, I really want to go down that. And I, and I, I want to talk about meditation too, because I think that's important. Yeah. So yoga found me through my mom. So mm -hmm. at my very close to my rock bottom, I'm, I'm like miserable, dying physically, dying spiritually. And my mom was doing yoga way back in the day. I always say before yoga was cool. And she kept always nudging me like, Donnie, you got to go to yoga because my body was so banged up. Seven surgeries on my left knee, my right hip from favoring my left leg for so long. Cause I ran with a noticeable limp the last like six years playing ball. So, so yeah, the knee was jacked up, but the, the rest of my body was taking, it's taking a beating from it, from just favoring it. And so she was like, you got, you just got to do yoga. And I'm like, 
yoga's for girls and hippies. I'm not doing that crap. <laughs> that was my mindset. It's like, no chance. I'm just going to lift some weights. And meanwhile, I'm just like miserable. So I finally go with her once to, uh, it was like a 24 hour fitness, like a gym yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew after that one class that I would do it the rest of my life. Just really just from a physical standpoint, the reprieve I was getting from my low back and my hips from some of these stretches, you know, which is what I thought they, you know, that's kind of what they are. They're yoga postures, but I'm like, this is the most amazing thing ever, but little did I know what it would do for the mind and the soul. So as I started to finally get sober and see how this, this yoga was such an essential part of my, my own recovery, because I love the 12 steps and what AA and these other 12 step NA have to offer. But the one piece missing, in my opinion, is the mind-body connection. There's nothing really in the 12 steps where, where we're, we're working through. I, I like to say our issues are in our tissues. So if you mm-hmm. trauma, pain, resentment, shame, your, our bodies remember everything. Right. Bodies hold on. Our bodies go along for this like emotional roller coaster ride that the drama of our minds um, puts our body through. For, for a lifetime. So at some point that's like stuck energy. And if you've ever had like one of those big knots in your shoulder, like above your shoulder blade, yep, totally. that's, that's it's stress. It's stress. And it all comes from our thoughts. So I'll go to meditation in a second, but when we move mindfully and we breathe mindfully, we can move that stuck energy, but it can be shifted. So when energy is stuck and it's not moving, it's like the dead sea, right? It's dead, it's heavy, it's dormant. And that's where a lot of disease can manifest. But when we move and we move with purpose, we, we free it up. And that's why you, you walk out of a yoga class feeling so light and free. Is it because like stress, I was just going to say like when, when we're stressed, which we've all felt stress and I'm not a scientist, you'll know these terms better than me, but we're releasing a chemical in our body. That's not good. Is that cortisol? Uh, yes. Okay. So then when I, if I'm going to one of your classes and I sit down, I'm tight, my back hurts. I'm, I'm just, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pay my bills this month. And, you know, and I don't know if, you know, the relationship I'm in is not good and I hate my boss and all this stuff. And I'm sitting there and I'm, I got all this crap. What are, what are we going to do? Can you kind of like walk me through a class? Like what we're going to do stretch, talk about, say all that stuff. How are you going to help me? And how can I release good endorphins and get this crap out of me? Yeah. So I believe uh, the best way to start is you have to get grounded in your body. So if you, if you start class slow or in stillness, kind of like what meditation would do, Mm -hmm. where if you can come onto your mat, if you're lying on your back or you're seated and you begin to just do one thing and that's connect to your breath. So when we, when we focus on one thing, our breath, our, our body feels this enormous release of tension. Because again, if we're thinking about a thousand different things all day, which is usually the case for most of us, yep. again, it's very stressful on the body. So the body holds on to it all and carries that stress. So all of a sudden you give your mind one thing to focus on. The body starts to relax. You give your busy mind a break. And now you can start to get into kind of the more of the optimal healing state. And I guided you through connect to your breath, take a four count inhale and a four count exhale. And you really start to stretch the breath out. Because if you think about how, how you breathe most of the day, how we breathe most of the day, 
we're not breathing very deep. Like our breath probably isn't going past our chest. Mm -hmm. So now we start to stretch the breath out. We start to breathe into the belly. We start to slow things down. And then also as we're slowing things down, things start to quiet down. Now, when the, the mind starts to quiet down, we start to listen. We can start to listen better to our bodies and now give our bodies what it needs. So you're going to start practice slow and get grounded in your body and then start with some subtle movements, some, some light stretches, and then eventually build it. I teach a style called vinyasa flow, which vinyasa is really just connection of the breath and the movement of the body. So then eventually we start to like the music. I love playing great music, like the music um, that I play is in, I don't know what your typical yoga music is, but I like, I think my music's pretty, pretty cool for that goes to a tempo where you're flowing one breath per movement. It would be like a, an, an EDM type music, but maybe a little bit of slower pace to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you start moving and then it just becomes like a dance between the breath and the movement of your body. And it really becomes a moving meditation which the moving meditation, it, it unhooks us from all of the stuff that has us hijacked all day, all of the stress, which typically is coming from the future and the past. It has nothing to do. You can't, you're <laughs> totally. not normally very stressed when you're fully dancing in the moment. Right. So we connect the breath to the movement of the body. And we kind of let the breath guide this dance. And then we stay anchored in the present moment. And then we're in our bodies. And it's all about having the mind and the body in the same place in the same time. And that very rarely happens throughout our day. So we need to have a practice where there's no distractions. We put our freaking phones down Mm -hmm. and, and it's just us and our mat and our bodies. And you started, you started doing, you started doing this how many years ago? I've been teaching for about um, eight and a half years and practicing for like 12 years. Okay, so 12 years ago, our phones were not as big of a distraction as they are today. Is it harder now with the advance in technology and phones? And I mean, dude, we have everything. Like our phone is our life. Is it tough when you get people in there to really disconnect? Is it harder now than it was? I mean, it's really hard for me. I mean, I teach this, right? And I'm tripping over the things that I'm teaching because the phone itself would be like the one thing that I would say I'm still addicted to. Yep. I'm really being honest. Totally. So I teach this and I still I still struggle with this. I try to use my phone to work for me and use it as, as opposed to it using me. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a healthy balance because my, a lot of my business is generated through social media. Um, so I just have to really be mindful of when I'm using it and when it's using me. But it's it's this is why this practice is going to matter um, for the rest of our lives because there are so many distractions being thrown at us every single day. I talk about this with my athletes all the time that you know whether it's with it's an athlete, if it's the you know the the media and the fans and the the agents and the people trying to just pull stuff and want something from them. It is so important to have a practice that allows us to find our center. Because if not, we're just, we're just, we're just caught up in distraction. I mean, our world is addicted and afflicted to distraction. So if we don't have a practice, then we're going to live our life addicted and afflicted to distraction at the end of our lives. Realize we never lived because we were never present. Dang. That's a truth bomb right there, Eli. 
Tell me the difference of what you just told me, how you walk me through uh, a, a typical beginning of class versus meditation. Like, what is meditation? Because especially like for a lot of my Christian listeners, the word meditation freaks them out. But if they read their Bible, it actually say prayer and meditate. Like two different things, prayer and meditate. What is meditation and why is it so important? Yeah. So I always say prayer is talking to God and meditation is listening to God. That's one way to look at it. Meditation. So the common response for people that know that I teach yoga or teach meditation will be, um, I can't meditate. My mind never stops thinking. And my response always is nobody's does. Mm. So in the practice, you just give your mind something to focus on. So we could use our breath. The breath could be what we focus on. You could stare at a candle. You could, you could have a word. You could, you could be breathe in God or breathe in fear, breathe in, breathe in faith, breathe out fear. You can turn it into whatever you want. You can do their sound meditation. You can do guided meditations, but it's just about focusing on one thing. And it's not about not thinking because if you sit in meditation and go, I'm not going to think, you're just going to think more because what we resist <laughs> persists. So it's just you give your mind something to focus on. And when it strays away and you're sitting in meditation, and now you start to think about how, how good lunch is going to taste or whatever, you just bring it back. The magic is bringing it back because that's actually a good thing because you're aware that your mind has left and then you come back to your breath. And every time you do that, it's like doing a rep with a free weight. Every time you notice and you come back, your mind is getting stronger because, again, you're coming back to your center. So it's just this practice of coming back over and over again. We're on our phones for 20 minutes. We realize we're on that down that rabbit hole. We come back. So it's cultivating more awareness. I just think so many people are, are sleepwalking through their lives or they're going at warp speed mm-hmm. so quick so they, they don't realize how hooked they are. So it's all about awareness. Everything we're talking about, all the number one benefit will be to have more awareness because awareness is the first step in creating any kind of change. You don't know if you don't know. It's like in the 12 steps, the first step is admitting you have a problem. Mm -hmm. It's aware that you have a problem. So the more aware we become, the more we wake up to life and really what matters. So if my problem is my boss, my boss treats me bad. I hate my boss. My boss is the worst. That's my problem. When I get in front of you and I'm thinking, am I concentrating? Am I thinking about the problem or am I inhaling the problem and exhaling the solution of what I think it should look like? Like, how do you help me there? Well, I would first probably, if if it's an issue with the boss, I always like to do this practice. It's the practice of personal responsibility. And it's basically a walkthrough of the serenity prayer, which is God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, Mm -hmm. the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So if we walk through the practice of personal responsibility would say, okay, like what you have this, you're having these struggles with your boss. Mm -hmm. What, what's your part in it? Like, what can you own? Do are you holding on to a job that you don't want to be in? Are you, did you create some, some like tension between the boss? Like what's your part in it? We always have a part in it. And when we're so resentful towards other people, when we look at our part, it really loosens the grip on that. So now that, now that we know what you can own as far as your part, now we look at, okay, 
what can I control? Right. And then we, we make the list, like, what can I control in this? And we, we commit to taking huge action on what we can control. What can't we control? We have to accept that we have to surrender. And then the wisdom to know the difference comes in meditation, coaching, life coaching, these practices. That's the work. The wisdom to know the difference is really awareness. Got it. What does it mean to find your center? So I believe it's it's about re, again coming back home. The is coming back home to your heart. They say home is where the heart is. So the body knows where home is. It's our mind that takes us down these roads that makes us feel like disconnected and often homeless. So it's 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 about finding these practices that allow us to come back home to the body. Keeping the the pathway, the easiest way to practice this is through your breath is just to breathe. A lot of times when we're getting hijacked by a, by a thought or by, if we get triggered by something, Mm -hmm. if we look at our breathing, we're probably not paying attention to it. Right. The breath is always going to bring you home. Does is everybody centered? Is everyone centers different? Is what? Is everybody centered different? I believe so. I mean, I think it's, it's heart centered. I think, I think I do believe actually it's actually the same. It's love. It's God. God is love. So it's the heart. I think at the core, it's all about love. So I guess my answer would be, I think it is the same where it's about love, but I mean, this whole love thing, and I'm on a huge self-love, you know, I lead a retreat every year called love yourself because no matter where I go teach or speak or do an event, the common thing is that we don't love ourselves enough. Yeah. Whether that's the way we talk to ourselves, we beat ourselves up, we judge our bodies, or it's putting everybody else's needs before our own needs. This is the common theme. So we have to figure out how we can love ourselves first before we can really show up for anybody else. We have to be able to like do our own work before we can really truly be of service and show up in the world and serve and not be getting in the way. How do you help someone love their self, love themselves? Because I'm sure, I mean, just touching on some real tough subjects, I'm sure that you, you know, witness and see rape victims, victims of abuse, mental and physical abuse and drug abuse. How do you help people love themselves when they hate what they've become? Mm. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it goes back to what I was talking about earlier with, Figuring out what are these, what are the thoughts? All that arises starts with our thoughts. Our thoughts create our reality. So if we really, if we want to get to the root of it, it's coming from our thinking. Mm. And so even people that have been through really challenging situations um, and had bad things happen to us, I believe that it's not the event that happens, but the meaning that we attach to it. So I could, uh, mine was all self-inflicted. So maybe it's easier for me to say that like my addiction, the the meaning I attach to that today is that I can help others um, because of my past. But anybody that was maybe abused, they can do the same thing. Now, I'm not downplaying the pain that maybe they have gone through, but acceptance is the answer to a lot of our problems. At some point, we have to accept what's happened so we can move forward. So there's a level of acceptance that ha- doesn't mean it doesn't mean we have to like it. Right. Well, it's so messed up, but it's, 
if it didn't happen, it wouldn't have happened. Right. So it, it happened and there's a level of acceptance. And for me, it's, it's so much about how can I use my pain for my purpose today? It's, it's the easiest service is like the greatest life hack ever. And that's what recovery has taught me. What it taught me early is that the core of my disease was selfishness and self-centeredness. The antidote to selfishness and self-centeredness is service. And so even though I've had this like self-inflicted addiction in this past, what it's given me today, like it's not about not using or not drinking. That thought doesn't even cross my mind. Right. As long as I stay in the work, it's about so much more today. It's about just being of service because honestly, it's not about being a good, good guy, like trying to be this good guy. It feels great to do it. And it keeps me out of my own way. <laughs> Absolutely. Two things you said there that just struck a chord with me. One is, is how, how your thoughts are so powerful. And, you know, the Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. So it really matters what you think of what's going on around you, what you think about yourself and what you think about other people. And the other thing you said, service the Mayo Clinic did a study, I think it was like in 2014, and they they said, it is true, a person will never feel as good as they will feel as when they're doing something for somebody else and helping someone else. Like, it's built into our DNA, and a lot of people are so depressed, they're so sad, and they look around, and everything is about them. So if you're sad or depressed, I would say, you know, uh, you know, not giving you all the answers right here, but the first step would be maybe go out and help somebody and watch how different that makes you feel. Would you agree? 100%. I say it all the time. The quickest way out of self-pity or out of a funk is just go help someone. And that doesn't mean you need to go into some country, you know, build a well. It might just mean reaching out to someone you haven't talked to in a while. It might be sending a nice text or maybe acknowledging a friend who's been in your corner. That, the, the, the acts of service, it might just be striking up a conversation with the grocery clerk as opposed to like, you know, mean mugging them because the line's so long and, you know, they're not fitting your timetable. I love but there's these small little acts and man, does it help you stay out of your own way? I mean, it is, it is to me, that is the path to freedom is to figure out like, what are your natural gifts and talents? This is what I believe our purpose is in life. It's to figure out what are our natural gifts and talents? And then how can we use those to, to serve, to give back? How can we share our natural gifts and talents with the world? That to me is being living a purpose-driven life. But you got to figure out what they are because um, a lot of times we get lost in what society says we need to do to be happy. I mean, marketing, everything is geared towards driving towards our not enough story. Not enough, but you'll be enough if you have this, or you'll be enough if you have that. We have to be enough for ourselves, right? And once that happens, like all of the other noise really doesn't even phase us. And a lot of the work I do in my coaching is around core values. And we got to, we got to know our core values in life. It is like some of this stuff I talk about, I'm like, man, it would have been nice to have learned this stuff in school. Kind of important to know how to love ourselves and to understand what our values are because our values are the essential part of our being. They're the bedrock of who we are. When we're living our core values, we know who we are. And we can actually use our core values as a filter system to make every decision in life. And then we can never make the wrong decision because we're making them from the heart, yeah. not from what, what mom or dad said we needed to do, what, what college we needed to go to. No, this, these are decisions we make. 
we're making them again from, from our truth. Preach baby. I love it. Before I let you go, talk to us about your show comeback stories it's absolutely phenomenal you tag team with uh with darren waller who has an unbelievable story again he is the all pro tight end from the las vegas raiders he had a huge year last year he's gonna have even a bigger one this year so you and him tag team and started this show called comeback stories what is it and how can we watch it or listen so comeback stories is yeah it's on all podcast platforms so you can find it anywhere but we teamed up. Uh, we had the idea to put this together about a little over a year ago. And it's just sharing comeback stories. Uh, uh, episode one is Darren's comeback story. Episode two is mine. And then we have all walks of life, all kinds of guests sharing their comeback stories. It's not just recovery based. There's, there's different guests, different types of comebacks. And our mission is to really reach as many people as possible, but also to remind everybody has a comeback story within them. Mm -hmm. We know everybody loves a comeback story. That's why we named it comeback stories, but yep. it's really cool because it's created this community and kind of this culture um, where we have a, we do like an Instagram live and we, we get people, it's all real talk. It's really cool to do it with Darren, you know, as a, the world's perception of an NFL football player is like the man's man, the macho, like the real masculine, but the things that we talk about, we're rarely ever talking about football. We're talking mm -hmm. about the things we've been talking about today, self-love and values and goals and service and recovery. It's just meaningful conversations all day long. And he probably loves that. The thing that I've, you know, cause I've watched him from a distance before I met him a year ago and, and did his uh, first uh, fundraiser for beyond the wall foundation, which is Darren's foundation, but it, it's been cool to watch him. It's almost like, how you've helped him and, and how he's discovered how to love himself and love life. It's made him a better football player. And it's kind of like football's what he does to where before, and I don't know, you know him way better than I do, but it's almost like a lot of these football players and I'm an ex football player. They find their identity in football. So they're only as good as how it's going. And it goes like this. So if it's going bad, they're bad. And now like with him to see, it doesn't really matter how football's going. He's good. You know, it's so awesome. And you guys can uh, listen to that and follow it on Instagram. It's at Comeback Stories Show. That's the podcast. And I would highly encourage you to start following Donnie Starkins. It's Donnie, D-O-N-N-Y underscore Starkins, S-T-A-R-K-I-N-S. And as you can see, I mean, the guy just opens his mouth and golden nuggets come out of his breath. Good stuff. It's beautiful. If Before we let you go, we always ask to leave our guests with one tip or, you know, one motivational quote, whatever it is, to help them level up. What would you say to our listeners? One thing that you can help them level up. I would say that the most important relationship you'll ever have is the one you have with yourself. I believe that a lot of us, again, we, 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 we think we need this. We need the perfect partner. We need the car. We need the job. Um, but we can't really get right until we get right with ourselves. Same thing with the only story that matters is the one we tell ourselves. So we have to create this narrative, which comes from our thinking, which is why meditation is so important because it's going to train the mind to work for you and not against you and really teach you how to be your best friend instead of your worst enemy. So keep building that most important relationship, which is again, the one you have with yourself. There it is. 
love yourself. And the better you love yourself, you'll be able to love other people better. Uh, I'm already comfortable loving myself, but I want to love you more, Donnie. How can you and I be better friends? <laughs> I want to be around you. I want, I seriously, I want to like, I, I, I want to do yoga and I want, I, I want some help because I think it'd be very beneficial. Call me anytime, brother. You know, I got you. Do you do anything online? Like can people pay for a class or anything and watch you and do it virtually kind of like Peloton, but you're you. Absolutely. So I have an online subscription. My website is just my name, Donnie Starkins. Again, Donnie with a Y, starkins.com. But I have an online membership that has hundreds of hours of pre-recorded uh, meditations, guided meditations, which I think are the perfect way to start is a guided meditation where I might have a word like um, gratitude or focus or smile or love yourself. And each day, like each recording is centered around a theme. And then I guide you through a guided meditation. So there's plenty of those. There's all levels yoga classes. Yeah, that's a, a monthly subscription that that you can um, tap into. And then I have my one-on-one -on -one coaching. My coaching program is called The Shift, Transformation of the Mind, Body, Soul. I'm super passionate about that. I do a lot of, a lot of people from around the world and country because um, we do it mostly virtually uh, via Zoom and FaceTime. So there you have it. All right. So Donnie is the top mindfulness coach and yoga instructor in the world. Here's my challenge to you. I always ask you to like, subscribe, and share. First 10 people, and we're blowing up. We've already surpassed the 10,000 downloads. Eli, I love oh, yeah. you. You're the freaking best oh, producer, engineer in the world. First 10 people to share this podcast, the Donnie Starkins podcast, the first 10 people to share it, and tag the person you share it with, I'm going to pay for your first month of Donnie's class, and we're going to do it together because I need this. So I'm doing this challenge for myself. First 10 people to share it, tag who you shared it with. I'm going to pay for your first month with Donnie, and we're going to do it together. You like that, Eli? That's good, man. So go freaking share it, Eli. Let's Come on. It. You need this too. Let's do it. You need it too. I'll, if Eli's not the first share, we have a problem. <laughs> hey, I got a question for you. I've yes. been thinking about this since we started. Can yeah. you touch your toes? Can I touch my toes? Yeah. For sure. Like stand up and bend yeah, over? Yeah, like straight over? I can. Look at you, man. Still I'm got a football it. player. Still got it. It depends on how good my back's feeling that day, too. That's why I really need Donnie. I need his help, man. I get it. Uh, Donnie, thank you so much for joining us. You are the man. Thank you for having me. This was fun. I always say it. If I looked like you, I would have never got voted off American Idol. You're freaking gorgeous. <laughs> Thank you to everyone who listened today. You got the challenge. Like, subscribe, share, tag the person you shared it with. First 10 people get the first month for free with Donnie on Level Up. Thank you so much. This has been another week of Level Up.